Hello folks and welcome to the Knickknack Podcast Season 11 Episode 31 I Can Breathe Again Sort of Talking about uh, disability benefits and a number of other things uh, I've been away for a while uh, because I was searching for new content Or at least an update that was different from uh, what I was producing So hopefully enough time has gone by to where that's happened so grab your favorite beverage, grab your favorite tobacco product, and let's get started. Alright, so the first thing is my disability benefits were finally renewed. They were renewed for 18 months, uh, which is kind of a shitty period of time. Uh, Of course, it's better than not having them renewed at all and having to get a lawyer and having to fight it. Um, But 18 months is not an ideal amount of time. It was three years last time, uh, 18 months this time, so I just finally kind of get uh, back in the swing of things and get to, uh, you know, kind of uh, live my life again and breathe again. And then um, before I know it, I'll turn around and have to be doing the whole process all over again. Pain in the butt. Um, So apparently what was upholding the process, or holding up the process rather, was uh, the Butte County Behavioral Health Center that I go to for all my mental health needs uh, apparently took a while to send them records so once they sent them records uh, they almost immediately turned around and gave me the approval notice Um, so it was just a matter of getting those records and you know I really wish the process had been speedier because with the two-year renewal it could have been done in you know September when they finally had the chance to review the case as opposed to October Um, But no matter, it's done now, and I can go back to worrying about um, things that matter a little bit more to me on an intellectual level, on a personal growth level, and hopefully I can continue to grow and maybe even outgrow the disability benefits. That's always been my hope. Um, You know, we'll see what happens. I'll try and keep the whole positive thing going. Um, A lot of positive things have been happening Uh, despite uh, my kind of bouts of depression during the last month, uh, depressed enough to where I didn't produce a podcast, that tells you something. Uh, The first thing that happened was uh, I got very involved in the Peace and Justice Center, uh, trying to put a museum uh, of sorts together of uh, clippings and different uh, artifacts from the center's history and how it it impacted the Chico community. Really cool project, really interesting project. Um, Turned out to be a lot bigger than I had expected it to be. So I got really involved initially and then, uh, you know, realized, oh, well, I'm in over my head. So I kind of pulled back a little bit at the last moment, um, which was not an ideal thing, but it got done. Um, And I went to the annual dinner and I volunteered at the... um, merch table, so selling uh, shirts and uh, peace rocks and all that sort of stuff. Um, I didn't go to the board meeting, so I don't know 
uh, how it did as far as helping the center and getting donations to sustain the center, um, which is important, but um, nonetheless, I was involved in it. I felt like I was part of it. Um, I know, you know, the, the president of the board, uh, I know a lot of people involved with the center, so it was good to be a part of something, and it was a welcome distraction from the disability uh, crapola. So uh, that was a good thing. Um, that's sort of, you know, now that the dinner is done, uh, there hasn't been a lot going on there. Um, I did apply to be a member of the board, um, so I sent that application in. I've heard from a couple people about it, um, and then I haven't heard anything for a while, so I don't know if that's still in process or not. Um, I do know that I've, I'm trying, um, and with a lot of things right now, that's all I can really say that I'm doing is, hey, I try, I'm trying, you know, I put in an effort, and we'll see what happens. Um, and now I finally have the time to kind of wait and see. Um, I think it would be interesting for a variety of reasons. The main reason, I think, is um, I think it's the time in my life where I need to start reevaluating how I'm involved with activism. Um, you know, it's nice to occasionally show up at a protest, you know, go to the streets and, you know, hold a sign and, you know, shout chants and all that sort of stuff. Um, I've done that. Um, I did that at Occupy. I was part of an organizing member, sort of, um, at Occupy Seattle, and I had that experience. Um, but at a certain level, there is only so much that can be accomplished with that style of activism um, and I think there's more to be accomplished if you actually play into the system a little bit not a lot but a little bit um, there's something to be said for calling your congressional representative there's something to be said for um, you know lobbying which I've obviously done a little bit of um, and I think being on the peace and justice board would be another move in that direction of uh, kind of a more formal way of being an activist uh, versus a more, um, I don't know, traditional way maybe. Um, and I think it also uh, speaks to a generational change uh, or a ge new generational phase. Uh, people love to trash talk the millennial generation. I'm towards the start of that generation, more towards the Generation X, the end of the Generation X bubble and kind of intersection with the millennial bubble. Um, a lot of people are defining that in strange different ways. So I was born in 84, so take that as you will. Um, but anyway, uh, I feel like it's time for my generation um, and me specifically to start stepping up and be involved in more committees and meetings and that sort of stuff. Um, it's not always fun, but I think it's that's the it's the time to do that sort of thing. So that's why I'm interested in the Peace and Justice Board because I think it's a way I can be an effective activist. And you know, my main thing is I want to ensure that this community resource remains available to activists throughout the Chico area um, because one of the things about a community organization. Uh, much like this podcast, theoretically, is it relies on donations. And if you can't get those donations, you can't do the great work that you're trying to do. Um, I, of course, 
would love this podcast to be supported by donations, and I think uh, if it were, it would make me better able to produce something um, and get guests on and, you know, do the sort of stuff that a budget allows. Um, but, you know, even without a budget, I, I can make it, but um, something like the Peace and Justice Center where they have an op- office that's open a couple days a week, um, it provides a meeting place, that sort of thing. Um, there are there are hard costs to that, and you need to cover your costs in order to continue to operate. So uh, I'm very interested in, t- in seeing them continue to operate and uh, having that continue to be a resource for the Chico community. Uh, speaking of the Chico community, um, Chico is in the middle of the Sacramento Valley, a very rural area with lots of farmers and lots of conservative people. So when marijuana became legal, um, needless to say, there was a strong contingent of folks probably uh, all across the mountain ranges of California and the agricultural valleys that uh, weren't in favor of it and you know, didn't see the potential of it as tax revenue. They just didn't like it whatsoever. You know, not in my backyard sort of thing. Um, so that has uh, moved into now kind of banning um, the commercial sale of it on the local level. Um, so apparently Butte County has made it so you can't sell it. Um and Chico has made it so you can't sell it in stores, what have you. Um, you can grow it indoors, but you can't sell it in stores. Um, and uh, really, that's going to limit the flow of things. The weird thing is, the way things are in California right now, it is legal to have weed, it is legal to smoke weed, um, but it's not legal to buy weed. There's no legal place unless you have a 410 card. Or at least I think it's a 410 card, but a green card, uh, the card, the medical card. Um, there is no legal place that you can buy marijuana. So you can have it, you can smoke it, but you can't buy it. Um, very counterintuitive, worst legalization ever. Um, and certainly not on par with what Colorado is doing or even Washington State. Uh, Washington State uh, actually works fairly well. Relatively speaking, they have state-run liquor stores, and they added uh, marijuana to the list of things that the liquor store sells. Uh, The store's hours aren't great, but there's uh, a fair amount of stores. They're accessible. They're in the community. Um, So when marijuana became legal in Washington State, it was not a big deal to uh, have the state uh, sell marijuana at these stores um, and you would think that that would make it less susceptible to DEA raids but uh, I'm not sure but in any case California is not doing so well with the whole legalization process and you know it's become it's gonna be very hard to buy it legally Uh, that's what it's gonna come down to and that's unfortunate because Uh, I know a lot of friends that, you know, don't want to see it commercialized um, because that becomes part of capitalism, and I fully understand that. Um, I I see their concern, Um, but I'm also looking at it from an an adult perspective, I suppose, or more systemic, 
traditional perspective, I guess, um, in that, okay, it's like tobacco. It's not an ideal thing. You don't really want it in your community, ideally. Um, but it's there, and it's legal, so why don't we tax the living shit out of it? Um, now I'm a smoker, uh, both of marijuana and cigarettes, mainly cigarettes, though. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not unique in that, um, people that have, um, less spending money seem to smoke more often than those that have more spending money, uh, for some reason. So, uh, I am not unique in that I have no money and I smoke. Um, and, you know, it really hits you in the pocket with all the taxes, um, I think I just paid eight or nine dollars for a pack of cigarettes. Um, now granted, they're not cheap cigarettes, you know, cool longs, so, you know, they're, they advertise for those in magazines, so, you know, not that, not that cheap a pack of cigarettes, but, you know, you could, um, sell, I don't know, you know, 20 pack of prefabricated, uh, marijuana joints, um, at a store and probably sell them for 10 to $15, um, you know, six of that being taxes or something like that, uh, and make a whole boatload of money for the state or the county or the city, um, what have you. Um, and, you know, the conservative base uh, is not seeing that potential. Um, so, again, in communities like Chico, um, it is not legal to um, create a store that sells marijuana, um, which is a missed opportunity, um, and very frustrating for somebody that just wants to say, oh, I want to smoke, I think I'll go to the corner store and buy, um, some smoke and then walk home and that's what I'll do. Um, you know, if you can't buy it at 7-Eleven, um, you know, you have to go to different, different arenas to be able to get it, and it's quite frustrating. So, um, moving on from that, um, other things that are going on, um, my house is a mess. I tried to clean it up. Uh, it was one of my stress coping strategies. I actually made some progress, not a lot, but some, um, but I'm thinking about the Section 8 renewal process, which is, and the inspection's in February, I think, so I've got a couple months before I really have to worry about that. Um, but I'm gonna have to get someone, uh, besides me to come in and clean because, uh, I just suck at cleaning and, you know, my mom thinks that I would qualify for the, for the in-home supportive services. Um, I think that's kind of a stretch, uh, and I had in-home supportive services for a while and my worker that I hired, I'll grant you, was terrible. I fired her, and then I was never able to find an, uh, another worker. So that's what happened with that. Um, and it was kind of good, but um, you know, it's a minimum wage job, and for a minimum wage job, you know, most people that have minimum wage jobs, uh, having had a minimum wage job myself, uh, almost exclusively, I've had minimum wage jobs, or just barely above minimum wage. And for minimum wage, you don't give a shit. You don't want to give a shit. Um, you know, there's no drive there to do well. So, um, in a way, it's like, well, I'd rather pay more money 
and um, you know make it work in my budget to actually pay someone independently to come and clean um, and to have them do a good job of it um, as opposed to um, just relying on the government for that particular thing. Um, I don't know. Uh, I may apply again. I am, we'll see what happens. Um, but I definitely need help uh, cleaning my place up. Um, and they say, you know, I, I say, tell myself it's not stressing me out. It's fine. I don't worry about it. I don't actively think about it. But the reality of, of it is, you know, if your surroundings are distressing, um, even if you don't think about it, it's going to seep into your brain and it's going to cause you stress. And being on Section 8, um, that, um, you know, you have to worry about the annual inspection um, and worrying about failing the annual inspection and all the rigmarole that that involves these days. Um, so, you know, it would behoove me to make sure that I'm on top of that well before that happens. Um, I've also got to get my smoke detector batteries changed. Um, so, i uh, got to work on that, um, and i got to, you know, actually be active in that. That's something, you know, I was talking with my counselor, you know, there's things that are going to bother you that you can't do anything about, i.e., Gee, Social Security is taking a long time after I've submitted my paperwork. That's not something that you can do anything about. Once you submit your paperwork, your the, the situation is out of your hands. But in a situation like Section 8, uh, where I know the review is coming up, um, and I have a dirty house, hey, I can do something about that. Um, so I've got to continue to work on being proactive and you know, doing something about the things that I can do something about and trying to um, relax more when I can't do anything about a situation. Um, so another thing that I've um, been doing is I've started mentoring other people with bipolar um, through, um, through an organization called Hope Exchange, hopeexchangenonprofit.org. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I want to get uh, Carrie on the show, Carrie, the CEO of Hope Exchange, to talk about the program a little bit more. Um, but I've been working with my mentee, and we are very similar in a lot of our struggles. Um, and it's interesting to kind of see things from an outsider's perspective, because from an outsider's perspective, it's very easy to go, okay, you're depressed. Uh, here are some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, you know, write in a journal, uh, make sure you're getting exercise, uh, try and get out of the house more, um, you know, these are some of the typical things that you might recommend. Um, and they, there are things, these are things that have been recommended to me throughout the years numerous times, um, and I'm still in therapy, so, you know, obviously, um, there is, um, some effectiveness problems with either my compliance with cognitive behavioral therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy itself. So I'm working with this guy and I'm kind of scratching my brain going, okay, I know the standard recommendations. I know how to do this and how to coach him. And I, you know, I, I can figure that part out. But what I can't figure out is what's a more effective way of trying to deal with these emotions and these feelings and challenging them and ultimately changing your thoughts and feelings. Um, because that, that's the goal of CBT, but um, having, you know, 
been uh, a patient of many cognitive behavioral therapists over the years, um, I can tell you that the technique needs work and improvement. So I was scratching my head trying to figure out how to improve the technique. Um, and then I kind of really stopped myself and I said, wait a minute, you're an amateur, you're just starting to do this. Uh, don't try and rewrite the book. So I calmed down a little bit and uh, I'm kind of trying to go with the flow a little bit more and not trying to rewrite the book. Um, oh, the other thing about this uh, disability renewal. Um, it's for two years, which is less than five years. Um, and the reason that's important is because for um, my student loans to be forgiven, I would have had to have a five-year renewal. So my student loans are not going to be forgiven, which means I can't go to back to school, which means that um, I'm, I have problems to deal with. Um, and uh, they can get a lot more creative with uh, trying to get your money back from you um, when you have uh, federal student loans than when you have uh, private student loans. Private student loans are, you know, you can wipe those out with bankruptcy, but you can't wipe uh, federal student loans out with bankruptcy. So I'm fucked, uh, more or less, in that regard. So... I'm trying not to think about that too much, but that is the reality of my situation. So, you know, the next 18 months or so, I can, you know, kind of live my life and try and get back in the groove of things and carry on as normal. Um, but really, the future is still very much in jeopardy and up in the air. So that's why I called the episode, I Can Finally Breathe, I Think, um, or at least that's, I think that's what I called it. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, it's kind of a jumbled up place, um, both good news and bad news. Um, but like I said, I can breathe a little bit. I don't have to worry about where next month's paycheck is coming from. I know where it's coming from um, for the next 18 months. So uh, we'll see where we'll see we'll see where life takes me. Uh, hopefully to a positive place. Um, I'm continuing to try and I'm continuing to try and work on positive things, be it applying for the Peace and Justice Board or mentoring uh, through Hope Exchange. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to do some more positive things and, um, you know, obviously I can't go back to school so that idea of a master's degree is probably out the window, uh, what with the student loans and whatnot. Um, but, um, you know, it can't hurt to put some mentoring experience on my resume if I want, um, you know, uh, like the local, um, I think the local Catholic Church, uh, partners with the county's Behavioral Health Center to, uh, provide a peer support call service. Um, so if I have the bipolar mentoring thing on my resume, then I could probably do the peer support uh, job much more, much easy, much, it would be much easier to get the peer support job, um, and the peer support job gives you money, so, uh, and money is a good thing, so, um, there's always a positive to everything, I just gotta keep, keep, keep working on seeing the positive, so, uh, if you have feedback, send me email, N-I-C-N-I-C-J-A-K at gmail.com, November Indio Charlie, November Alpha Charlie, Juliet Alpha Kilo, at Golf Mike Alpha India Lima dot Charlie Oscar Mike. And until next time, stay safe, stay sane, happy railroading, happy landings, bye.